You're listening to the Robert Hartley Games Master Podcast. The following is the audio from my interview series, Short Rest, aired live on twitch.tv forward slash Robert Hartley GM. During the Short Rest series, I sit down with a fellow tabletop role-playing game content creator for about two hours and get to know them a bit. If you want to see the accompanying visuals at any time, you can find them on my YouTube channel by searching for Robert Hartley GM. Enjoy! Friends, fans, and fine folk, grab your drinks and snacks and come on down around the campfire with me and my friend Nate from WASD20. Hello, Nate. How are you? Hello, Robert. I'm, I'm doing well. Great Good. to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad. I'm glad to. I'm glad to have you on. It's um. It's been a long time since we managed to uh, to collaborate on anything. We had uh. We had a yeah. game that we played in once, like two years ago, <laughs> and, uh, and now we're back. <laughs> yes. Once every, yeah. It's once good to see you again. Years. Good. Best <laughs> friends. We're you know closest of friends. One, That's one, right. One one stream shared every two years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, no, I was excited you uh you asked me to be here. I. These conversations just with, yeah, with fellow RPG fans, with fellow content creators, uh, don't happen often enough for me. No, so. they don't. They, uh, they, they come up. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started this, this shot rest stream is that I was just, I, there's so much content out there and like, there's still people that I'm meeting, uh, even in my particular area of the world that is, that are like D and D specialist, uh, content creators on some platform or another, and they're yeah. doing really successfully. And I still had never even heard of them or met them or whatever. And I'm like... How are there that many people making D and D content that I that there's that even in this very niche industry, I'm still not yes. meeting everybody yet. Uh, it's just totally. insane how much stuff there is, and it's and, and a lot of it incredible stuff as well. People are creating things left and right, yeah. and so it's it's just impossible to keep up with it all. It's impossible to ca- uh, to consume it all, and so uh, part of the purpose of this series was to be like, hey, let's uh, let's give myself an. A, a reason an incentive reason uh making mm-hmm. content to also actually catch up with people as well so i'm glad yeah. that you um i'm glad that you uh you're here to to chat with me today so i can get to know you a little better it yeah was a for lot sure of, uh, it was a lot of fun um playing with you that one time and also uh, i'd been a fan of your videos for a long time at that point it was uh, it was one of my first well, thank you uh, it was two years ago so it was still early days of streaming for me um i think i've been mm-hmm. streaming for about two and a half years now so uh and uh, oh, 30 months, because somebody's just got a 30-month subscription. Thank you, L. Brown. <laughs> there you months. go. Um, Very nice. And so, uh, yeah, and so and so it was early days for me, and I was, like, still kind of uh, excited for meeting everybody that I was meeting, because I was, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm still struggling to, uh, to put myself in that space and to acknowledge the fact that um, I'm actually making some good stuff now. <laughs> people, people have told me, um, people have told me that they've been, like, uh, they've felt the same way about meeting me that I was feeling about meeting people like yourself when I was first starting and going, I've been watching this stuff for ages. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's a weird feeling. And it's, <laughs> it's weird when people who like are, um, are doing really cool stuff, say that, like mm-hmm. say that they appreciate me. It's like, no, I, I watch yeah. your stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I watch no. your stuff. Like, <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, so for people who don't know, uh, let's let's start with um, let's start with an introduction. Although actually we can't we can't call this short rest and not start with a short rest. We'll we'll start with an introduction after we set up what is happening on this short rest. Um, so are we on a are we on a mission and we need a rest in the middle of it? Have we just had a fight? Are we are we like what sort of terrain are we in? What do you reckon? Yes, um, I'm thinking I'm thinking we. Um... 
have just exited a um, a um, ancient druid circle uh, where we were just passing through and admiring, perhaps. Okay. But um, some sort of nature spirits or uh, perhaps um, you know little little forest creatures uh, ambushed us and and basically we got the feeling that whoops we stepped in the wrong uh, circle I like here that. yes i like that i do like using ancient druid circles i've used them a couple times in my games there's one of my games um coming up is it even on this tuesday i think it might even be coming this tuesday uh mm. where there's uh, there's a section there's a part of the world called lizard rock um and it's a, an old abandoned uh civilization of lizard folk uh, that lived on this this rock that kind of from one angle if you turn your head and squint like you do with rocks sometimes um you're like <laughs> that, that outcropping of kind of mountainous boulder or whatever is uh, it kind of looks a little bit like a chameleon uh, and at the top yeah. of it the uh the lizard folk used to have like a druid circle that would uh, periodically open a portal to the beast lands um and then mm. they would go through and hunt and stuff and so they, one of the one of the uh, party is a lizard folk, and uh, and has been super excited to get to Lizard Rock just because of the name. And then he got there and found that it was a druid circle, and he's a druid as well. And he's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! And then uh, and then the periodicity of this portal opening is still a mystery to him. So he keeps going back there, being like, is it open? Do I? How do I? How, when does it? When does it open? When do I? When do I go through and hunt? And, and 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 then in the evil way that I do as a dungeon master, I'm constantly putting more plot hooks in my games than they could possibly pick up. Just so, yeah. so, just so that the ones that they do follow, <laughs> they end up missing all of the other ones, and then those ones progress without them, and they feel like they're missing out, and feels like more of a real world that with things happening around them. Uh, and one of the, one of the things is the rest of his party keep voting on anything but Lizard Rock, <laughs> so they they're going, oh, there's this ever storm over here with some sort of evil whatever happening, and oh, let's go deal with the hobgoblins attacking the dwarves over here. <laughs> and every, every month he's yep. like, let's get back to Lizard Rock. Oh man, that's great. Love well, me, love me, love me a druid circle. All right, so we've Lizard uh, Rock. So we've been we've been in a um, we've been in a, uh, passed through a, a druid circle and we got attacked by nature spirits and and we managed to survive it. So now we're uh, now we're pretty knackered. We we could do with a, a breather, a sit down. Yeah. What are we uh, What are we eating and drinking on this in this short rest then? Mm. Just things mm. from our canteens and mess kits, or are we going out hunting? Or I suppose if we, I suppose yeah. our our instinct would be to go out hunting, and then we're like, maybe not. Maybe we just yeah. Maybe we just got attacked by nature spirits for being in the wrong yeah. area. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think uh, the surrounding folk would take too kindly to that. So um, yeah, I think we're sticking to our water and and rations. Yeah. Uh, it's it's meager. Yeah, water. Um, uh, the the ale is long gone. The the wine, <laughs> the one bottle of wine we're sa saving for a special occasion. Yeah. And um, the uh, so so we're eating some uh, oh perhaps some uh, dried meats, some dried figs uh, that we picked up in a nearby city, which are mm, delicious. <laughs> delicious. They're and, they're um, a treat. To yes, and, and perhaps some apricots too. Take our take our mind off of things. Excellent. Well, that's the uh, short rest as is. Are we, uh, are we around a campfire or have we got like dancing lights or something up? Or Yeah, I imagine we, we have we have risked a meager campfire. A meager campfire. Um, we, 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 yes. were, we put our usual um, stringent uh, fire checks in place and then doubled them and went like, <laughs> yes. we cannot afford to piss off any more natured gods. Um, no, this this fire is very well contained within a little circle <laughs> of rocks. Constantly looking at it. <laughs> 
Okay, it's not not very restful rest because we're constantly on edge about the the, uh, the fire. Wonderful. Yeah, well, now that, we're, uh, now that we're all settled into our our short rest around the campfire, um, let's let's start with the name. Uh, WASD twenty. Where did it Where did it come from? It's pretty. Uh, it seems pretty self-explanatory, but is there anything else? Yeah. So, it? you know, there's there's um, two aspects of that. There's kind of the computery, you know, WASD, the the keys you use to move in most computer games and first-person shooters and whatnot. And then the uh, the twenty, the D twenty, and the, you know the D is in the middle there, so it gets kind of used twice. Was the that's that's the clever part. Very um, clever. <laughs> I don't know if you see what um, he did there, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the reason for that is because I started my channel thinking, well, I, I love computer games and I have for years, and I want to, you know, I would love to create videos. I had created a couple on a, a different channel, and I had had a blog going for a while about video games, just mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, commentary and writing um and um and those didn't go anywhere uh you know people they, they were not viewed or anything like that right. uh, but i was mostly doing it just for the the pleasure of creating th something and um and then i just started getting into tabletop role-playing games um and really um thought my channel would maybe be a 50 50 split between those two things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um but you know everyone makes let's plays and this was 2014 and yeah. you know the jig was up everyone's everyone's doing it by now <laughs> and um so um those didn't go anywhere but the the D, &D stuff was a much um you know just a small smaller niche that was um growing uh and so my stuff on on those topics started going places yeah. and so i kept doing more Fair enough, and so the, the, the D20 is really doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the of the name. Yeah. Um, so it the, sure is. Do, do you still do any video gamey stuff, WSD side mm. of things? I'll say that once in a while, I have a smaller live channel uh, where I you know mostly uh, run run D and D and stuff. But once in a while, I will stream some PC games uh, on that channel. That's just uh, YouTube.com/slash/WASD20Live, and um, yeah, here and there, I'll jump into like you know some some Baldur's Gate three or uh, Celasta Crown of the Magister. Usually, usually it's an RPG or something yeah. fantasy related that I'm playing there. Yeah, because then it's not a complete jarring experience for the people who are signing up for one yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Like I play a lot of Rocket League and Overwatch, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just think, hey, <laughs> those are competitive, and I'm not great. B, like I don't think that really my audience would love it as much as yeah. you know some, some good old computer RPGs. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so when uh, when you started out, you did the WSD and the D20, very clever. Um, and then you, Thank at you. what point did you decide that it was going to be the D D20? You said that the, was it just a, a product of looking at the view counts of the different things and being like the D20 stuff is, the, the, the RPG yeah. stuff is doing better? Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. Uh, just, just the views, you know, I... Um... And I, I got involved in a community, actually. That was a big part of it, too, uh, called the um, YouTube RPG Brigade. <laughs> and um, it was a Facebook group that um, it might still be around. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it it kind of went downhill a little bit. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was a cool group because it was just basically people posting videos in Facebook comments and then um, like posting their own videos. And, and it was a lot of just like RPG mail, like here's what I got in the mail, or like right. here's some musing thinking about this topic. And they were not very well produced at all. <laughs> and so um, for the most part, it was just people talking to each other. Um, and 
yeah, it was, remember, it was it was it was a good you, community, and that really kind of fostered my growth in that area too. Do you remember any other uh, people in that group that are now big names as well? Not not like um, the biggest names or anything, but uh, yeah, like uh, influential in that group was um, Matt Click, who's done some writing for D and D, and he's a part of Absolute Tabletop. Um, and then my friends, yeah, just my four friends at Absolute Tabletop, which mm-hmm. is an awesome company, um, were there. Um, oh, Master of the Game, uh, Juice from Master of the Game. Uh, you know, he's not super big, but he's he's a cool guy, and I've played a lot with him over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there were these like there's these pillars of that community that were just like really cool people. Um, some of them, with not you, all of them, I'll yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> you get that I still like in all walks of life. So. <laughs> yeah, that they 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 didn't get big or anything like that. But I still just have so much respect for them for yeah. like starting this thing before me. And st- some of them are still going doing cool stuff. The guy, there's a guy, uh, Tim, uh, is it T- Tim Harper? I think is his name. Uh, anyway, uh, Tim Wise is some- sometimes what he goes by. He's got good stuff. There's there's a few other guys there. Yeah. Cool. And what did you what did you do to sort of set yourself apart at that point? Because I imagine that well, early, that early in the D and D stuff, you didn't really need to set yourself apart too much because of the lack of no. the million different content creators making things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like so, all I had to do was I think make a like character creation tutorial right, yeah. and that was like whoa like this guy's trying to teach people <laughs> it's not just some random dude turning on a camera talking about some obscure supplement anymore <laughs> or some kind of niche topic about like cinematic role playing yeah, which yeah, yeah, it yeah. was all cool stuff don't get me wrong it was all cool stuff but this i i was i did kind of like, have that mindset the one thing that we're doing here's here's the, simple, here, here's the player's handbook let's just yeah open that instead right and i think since i was so new in the hobby myself um i had a bit of uh and i'm a teacher Mm. um i i very quickly became passionate about hey i'm just finding this i may not be qualified to teach people anything but here we go i'm doing it anyway (laughs) (laughs) fair enough did you uh did you sort of lean on that a little more in your early videos then about like the teaching element of like here's how to do this and here's how to do that rather than like GM tips or anything like that. You... Um, yeah, I would say I, I leaned more on like the side of character creation. Like I didn't feel definitely qualified and I wasn't to be given a lot of GM tips um, early on. Um, I, I did run, start running games right away. Like I was, I was, I yeah, was, I was the GM. Ask, like when did you start getting into GMing? It was yeah, like, that was, I, I started my channel um, in like maybe May or April of 2014. And then um, I got the Pathfinder Beginner Box. And I think that was my second video was unboxing the Pathfinder Beginner Box. I immediately like ran it for some friends and we were off and running. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that I started pretty quickly there. But um, when I opened that box, like I had never GM'd before. Uh, you can go back and watch that video. And this is Nate who has never GM'd trying to comment on like, what's in here like what is this <laughs> so that was interesting here, here's my insightful view as to what all of this stuff will mean from somebody who's never right. actually done it yeah and i was totally upfront about that i was like hey i'm new to this this is just my impressions as someone who's totally new to the hobby here we go it, I, I took the approach of like you know i'm documenting my journey yeah into this yeah hobby yeah of course at that point uh but no then the, like maybe th- um a couple months later 5e came out hmm. and um i started i made like a character creation tutorial 
and uh, I made some mistakes in that, as you might imagine. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, and I made a couple more things like that that started like um, getting me some popularity and uh, and kind of setting myself apart from that crowd. And I think there was a little bit of attitude in that crowd sometimes that was like, "What is this guy doing? Like he's trying to make videos that are more professional. It's all about the content." And you know, yeah. um, there was some kind of um, yeah curmudgeons there that were not loving what Push, i was doing but it was like being like oh this guy's making things Let's yeah tear, tear him down i think they might have been offended that I, it was evident that i wasn't just making videos to talk to them anymore right yes <laughs> i how was making videos get, for a wider audience how, di how dare he try and get new people into this hobby <laughs> <laughs> little little did they know 5e was gonna do a lot of that yeah yeah for sure <laughs> more people playing now than ever before um, yeah. So you you mentioned you're a teacher. What um, what level do you teach? I teach high school video production and uh, government and sometimes U.S. history. Oh. So yep, I live in I live in the U.S. and I'm uh, teaching American social studies things mostly. Um, what what, uh, what what state are you in? If that doesn't dox you too much. I'm in Michigan. Nope, Michigan. I'm in Michigan. Oh, cool. Yep, I live in West Michigan, uh, near Grand Rapids, and. Um, yeah, teach at a, a big high school about it's a private high school. It's about a five minute walk from my house. So oh, that's nice. kinda nice. Very handy. Um so I've I've, you know, grown a bit of a business here, but um I tell people, you know, I might as well just keep teaching. It's only like five minutes from my house. So <laughs> <laughs> your um do your uh do your students recognize you from things as well? You've got D and D students who are like, Oh, I found your videos <laughs> online, sir. Yeah, I've had a few of those. I had my first one like pretty much six months into the channel. It was yeah. just like this kid awkwardly walking into my room like, so I was searching for how to create a rogue in D&D last <laughs> night. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm caught. <laughs> it's over. And yeah, since then, it's been um, it's been over. Like the word is out. And it's not it's not no one makes a big thing of it or anything. I think That's people good. are used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, because they they uh, they say like one of the best ways to learn a thing is to imagine yourself teaching that thing while you're learning it, so that you're fully understanding it. And then as you're teaching it yep. to somebody else, you realize the best bits that you don't understand. So I imagine coming yeah. at it from a lens of a teacher while you were learning the um, learning the ropes of all of these Pathfinder and the early editions and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Like then making videos explaining it to other people would have really helped to quickly solidify for you the rules of it. So you were, yeah, in, sure. so, so you started getting into TTRPGs with Pathfinder, or was there something else that got yep. you into it, and then you moved to Pathfinder? Yeah, no, I, I Pathfinder was my very first, and I think I used to listen to a podcast called the Giant Bombcast. It's a video game podcast, and um, and uh, they have a website. And uh, I remember just seeing I was really into video games at the time, and have been for for years and years and years. But um, I remember them starting to think about trying D and D. And someone in the comments had said, you don't want D&D, &D, like, you want Pathfinder. That's the, like, you know, this was during 4th edition. And uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people felt a little I mean, bit betrayed <laughs> by 4th edition. So, yeah. you know, that's why I started Pathfinder, because I just heard through the grapevine, like, this is what you want. This is the one Okay, sure. Want. I mean, yeah. sure. I mean, I can understand why people were saying that. Um, I'm getting into Pathfinder at the mm -hmm. moment just as a because I lost a bet, essentially. Um, so <laughs> so our mutual friend, uh, Dead Aussie Gamer, um, mm -hmm. he has been, he's been teasing me about Pathfinder for years because uh, 
he's whenever I'm talking, whenever I'm ranting about something in D and D, he's like, mm, "Well, in Pathfinder, you know," uh, <laughs> to the point where I've got a um, <laughs> uh, where I've got a command in my channel uh, that's just exclamation mark Pathfinder, and the response is, "Shut up, Dag." <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I love it. And so, uh, and so, eventually, I, I was doing a fundraising stream uh, for American Cancer Society, and the final goal the stretch goal if i raise x amount of thousands of dollars then i will i will learn the pathfinder rules i will run a three a three-part episode one shot for uh for for dag um in pathfinder uh and then of course as soon as that popped up as the stretch goal on the street is uh, on the stream as soon the donations went and all of, my, all of my community trolled me with it essentially uh, and so now uh, I'm committed. that's um, that's the best kind of trolling though and then when we, uh, when we met up at pax australia just just before dag got me a pathfinder badge a little little pathfinder pin <laughs> that, I, that i had to wear for my entire time at Pax Australia. Oh no! Oh um, no! <laughs> so yeah, that's that's finally oh, coming that's up great. in uh, in a couple of weeks' time. I'll be um, I'll be hey, doing three good. I'll be doing three uh, episodes of Pathfinder as the GM, and it'll be my first time running it. So I um, I've got a series yeah. uh, on my channel called Robert Reads, where I usually read some of the rule books and things because mm-hmm. they just churn them out. They just keep churning them. I've I've not opened some of these. I've got oh this, yeah, this, uh, Fizban's Treasury of Dragons has been out for ages now, and I've barely opened it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same with that book, and that's when I actually want to open. Yeah, I finally it, it just looks good. Sold. People are saying all sorts of good things about it in there, and I'm like, I don't have the time to read it. <laughs> yeah, I finally just sold like five or six books. Um, I, I wanted <laughs> to donate them, them to my. Like, Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like some of the the uh, MTG tie-in books. It was like these are cool, but like no, I'm not going to use them. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated looking at them and getting to review them or whatever, but no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I thought about donating to my local, um, RPG club at the school where I teach, but I, I have donated some books and I know that they never get used like the core, the three core books right. that you use. And then the kids do homebrew and stuff and yeah. I respect it. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I started, I, I switched, um, when I lost that bet, essentially, I, I switched over to, uh, reading yeah. Pathfinder rule set, uh, as part of my Robert Reed series. And, and I just kind of read the book cover to cover. Uh, well, I've yeah. almost finished it now. Uh, man, it's a long book. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. Crunch. So much. Crunch. Oh man. Uh, I'm Wait, going so to try. Second... I'm going to no first edition. I um, Dag, yeah. Dag's, Dag's more comfortable with that, and because it's kind of for him yeah. and his purposes, and I, it was mo- mainly also just for me to understand where Pathfinder came from. I was more interested in yeah. uh, in yeah. trying first edition first. Uh, also, yeah. one one day I do because I started with fifth edition D anD D. I do want to eventually go back and try all of the early editions, just kind of to see yeah. what they were and what what the hype was about them and stuff, and why why people got into the hobby in the first place, and what what yeah. about the early editions I can steal into the newer editions and things. Uh, and yeah, learning sure. first edition Pathfinder makes it easier to someday learn three point five. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I'm, I I. I learning the pathfinder rules uh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and run it as accurately as i can to the rules like sticking to all of the floating modifiers and things um yep. <laughs> and just so i can get the proper experience of it all it's gonna be a pretty exciting things yeah that's so, cool yeah good for you yeah i'm uh, i'm looking forward to it there's definitely things in it already that i can steal for D. there's definitely I, i'm definitely leaning towards uh I, I lean towards more of crunch heavy games um but not mm-hmm. to the point of so many floating modifiers. I love the advantage disadvantage system, but I just wish that I, I think that five E is fantastically simplified. I think it's a little overly mm-hmm. simplified in some parts. 
then I'd like yeah, a little that's more fair. crunch with things. I would, I'd be interested in, in knowing uh, why they didn't continue with kind of the model of advanced advanced versions of the rules for each of the editions. Because for ages, I thought advanced D&D was just the second edition. And it was yeah. ages into the hobby that people were like, no, no, there was original D&D and advanced D&D for, for first edition and second edition and third. Yep. Like they, they had that. And then in third edition, I think they, they combined them finally. Um, yeah. But there's definitely call for it because I I, I was speaking with um, uh, William Stack from the Dungeon Cast uh, podcast, and he was saying like there's there's like he he's been in the industry long enough to know to to notice like swings and roundabouts with the the situation. There's like a loop that goes where uh, there's like really crunch heavy editions or, or modules or whatever, and and people love it for a little while and then they go this is too complicated. And then they and then they yearn for simplified rules, and then they bring up a more simplified rule, and then people go, "Yeah, but what about in this niche situation where I don't know what to do here? I shouldn't have to come up with a rule for that. There should be a rule for 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 dealing with when somebody is grappled and on uh, and upside down and uh, and tied up." And then they bring yeah. out rules for everything, and it becomes real crunchy again. People are like, "Yeah, here's yeah. what I want," and then they're like, "It's too complicated." And he says it goes around like that. And I'm like, "Why do they not just have two at any one point then? Fifth edition and advanced fifth edition for the people who are super into extra rules." I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. Um, and it's more stuff. Yeah, they can it sell. is weird. It's more bo- it's more books they can sell. Yeah, I think the main thing is probably like. Um, dividing the fan base is something that they're yeah, they're not wanting to do um and and keeping and it adds complexity uh even just in like well what do i buy what do i want <laughs> which um one do I, yeah which one do because I right I because you will get people <laughs> and then people will be like <laughs> i want mediocre i want medium D. <laughs> i want yeah. to bring out another one that's not this crunch heavy and not that simplified Totally. And, and you will get people who are new and immediately want to jump to the more advanced thing just to have to avoid yeah. buying more books later. And then, and then but is it too off. complex for yeah, them? And they yeah. And, and they don't end up getting into the mm-hmm. hobby. And, yeah. yeah. End up but no, I think, I think it makes sense from a, from a gamer perspective, more options is absolutely good. Yeah. So speaking of editions though, which, uh, so you started before fifth edition was out and you started with Pathfinder. Yeah. Have you then gone back and played any of the other editions since? No, I've not. Um, nope. I've never played third or 3.5, four or, or earlier. I've played, I've um, played one, uh, played one game of, uh, sort of a hybridized first E, uh, first E, second E kind of thing with, um, mm-hmm. with a fellow on Twitch called Lord Kazumba. I don't know if you know him. He's in Philadelphia and he's a, he's a big name in D and D in D and D out that ways. Uh, because he has been playing the same campaign for like 44 years um, and he's and he's super big on terrain like his whole thing mm. uh, on Twitch is that he's got like a three camera setup in his basement and it's a huge big gaming table like you know the old fashioned war, war gaming situation um, and yeah. it's just got like terrain everywhere and he's got all these minis and stuff and, he, and he, ca- he, he, he calculates all of the numbers for you so you don't have to be worrying about all of the thaco and stuff um, oh man <laughs> that sounds great yeah, and it was it was fantastic. He uh, he ran me a game once um, on stream, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but that's my only only introduction to it. I kind of wanted to play again with him and try and control some of the Thaco stuff myself, just to kind of get the feeling of what it would have been like to play the game back in the day when you had to do all of yeah. those calculations and things. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think I I used to be more attracted to the idea of going back and playing old school. Um, I certainly think that. Um, today I have more of a desire, um, 
rather than going back and playing older editions, I have more of a desire to explore more indie games. Um, yes. And kind of yeah, like some well. on the, the old school Renaissance side of things are attractive. Um, and uh, and just, you know, new experiences that are fairly different from D&D as well. Like if I'm going to play a different game and take the time to learn a new rule set, like sometimes it's fun to just explore something very different. Yeah. Like uh, Fate or... Um, yeah, I've not you know, played Fate um, yet. I want to. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't, I don't love fate. I played it once and it was like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to play that much more, but <laughs> you know, things like that, or, um, what's the fiasco. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to play a bit of the fantasy flight star Wars, uh, right, games. Yeah. Um, have you, yeah, uh, stuff have you like played, that. Have you played a game called 10 candles or heard of it? I have not. And that one, I have heard of it. Um, and it sounds really cool. It's it a is. horror game. Am yeah, I right? It's a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, horror game, um, and it's and it's really interesting that I have I'm discovering my tastes around horror uh, as I'm as as I'm exploring things like that because as a kid hated horror films hate I don't watch them they they I've got too much of a vivid imagination I I definitely don't have aphantasia I can picture things very clearly <laughs> and so and so horror <laughs> yeah. really helps to really keep me up at night because I can picture all sorts of things that are hiding in the darkness. Um, so I hate horror, horror films. I never thought I was a big, big on horror uh, kind of genre, until I started being a storyteller and a role player. And then I enjoy playing in horror games, and I enjoy running horror games, particularly because I've got such a gruesome kind of uh, mind for gory details and the ways that I can creep people out with my words. And so I, I always run a Halloween special for um, for my my uh, story that I'm running on a weekend, an interactive game called Twitch Tales. Um, and so I always run a Halloween special and I'm told that they're pretty scary and pretty macabre and stuff. So it's pretty yeah. um, exciting things. And so I recently got the chance when meeting up with a bunch of my um, uh, fellow creators, Dag and, and people, um, to uh, to run ten, uh, to, to play in Ten Candles. Uh, and man, it's a fun game. It's so it's so immersive mm. and visceral. And uh, I think they I, I got a note... I, got, I saw it advertised that somebody is it Geek and Sundry are going to be running a game on stream or something, or maybe it's Critical Role. I can't remember. Somebody's going to be yeah. um, running a Ten Candles thing on stream, which is really interesting. Uh, because yeah. when we were playing, we were like, "This is the sort of game that you can't stream. Like, this is the sort of game you got to be in person because there's literal candles yeah. and you've got to be burning paper and you've got to be like." And so I'm really interested to watch that and see how it plays out. If they're all in the same studio mm-hmm. and then they're just recording it and broadcasting it, that might work but even then it's like it's about the ambience of setting the you've got to play in the dark with the only light the candles that you're extinguishing so that by the end of the game you're you're down to one tea tea light lighting the entire table and you can barely read your character sheet and stuff and that's all part of it so uh, having that in like a studio with lighting and cameras and stuff i'm not sure if they'll be able to capture the ambience but i'm certainly looking forward to seeing if they can pull it off yeah yeah i mean that's interesting um i i I like games like that that are um, kind of designed to be played in person, and and I think you can figure out ways to approximate the experience uh, virtually. But mm. um, yeah, I think uh, Fiasco is another one that uh, I really have enjoyed. That um, just given the like nature of like having all these dice and being able to like pick like I'll take this um, white one and you can take that black one, and you can have this pool of dice that you're selecting from to do certain things. Right. Um, makes it seem like you would you would need probably like tabletop simulator or something in order to do that well um and there's another game that i did 
um oh alice is missing um which was super interesting um that it was challenging to do it online i just feel but but there there are ways to do it there are two ways you can do it on roll 20 one way you're meant to be like texting each other and stuff while you're playing yes Uh uh-huh exactly it's all play by text um so we played in discord but you can't actually play it on actual phones uh, but yeah, you can do it on uh, Roll Twenty. I would have thought, or, like, uh, through Discord, know, there's a bot. A lot about it, but I would have thought that that would translate to online because it's already text based. So you're you'd just be able yeah. to like have that on the screen and the text based and stuff. But is there a lot of yeah? Like... I thought that too. Um, there's a lot of cards, like right. you know, pulling cards that like here I can't see your card, but here it is. Um, so that that sort of stuff makes it challenging. And the and the premise for anyone who doesn't know is that uh, there's a it's kind of like a another horror uh, it's a th- thriller rather than horror that one right it's like you, yeah, yeah somebody's somebody's gone missing in the community mm-hmm. and you're texting each other and you've got like uh, yeah I mean you've played it so you, you've been doing you've got a mutual connection yeah you've got a mutual connection to Alice and Alice can be there's there's like a variety of different pictures you can choose from there are wanted po- or uh, missing posters um, and um, you can make up all kinds of details about who Alice is, but you're all you all have a connection. There's like Alice's brother, Alice's uh, ex, uh, etc. And um, then you are, yeah, all kind of texting each other like, "Hey, have you seen Alice?" Is kind of the premise. Hmm. Uh, and no one's seen Alice, and she's missing. And then you're pulling cards that like kind of escalate things, and things happen. And you can get it's made to be played once, but. Um, there are like maybe three or four different endings and different, you know, obviously almost every game will be different yeah. in some way. Cause you're taking a lot of liberties and making things up. I like, it's cool. I, I really like the, um, the confidence in game designers making games that are only meant to be played once because obviously you're losing a lot of mm-hmm. people's replayability. You're losing a lot of people's yeah. like wanting to buy the game for longevity and to have something that they yeah. can do multiple times. So for them to be, to, to lean into it, commit to it and just be like, now this is a game yeah. that you best you best experience just once. Yeah, yeah I've seen and it, I've seen it on uh, on shelves this... and board games shops and things, and I've looked look, picked it up and looked at the blurb and been like, I definitely want to play this one day. I also think, right. isn't, and I it... don't know if it's related, but I'm pretty sure there's a podcast I was listening to for a while called Alice is Missing. It was like a um a, oh. a, a na- narrative. Um, it might be called Someone Else is Missing, and I'm pretty sure it would be an A if it isn't Alice. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. kind of like a horror thriller kind of um narrative story. Uh, podcast yeah that's about cool like, about like a trucker, yeah it w- a, trucker but, woman who's gone missing i think oh nice yeah but what you're saying about like the yeah it they they didn't skimp on this either like it's a nice quality box mm. and and book and nice like tarot size color cards um and for something you're only going to play once it might seem like kind of a waste but no i enjoy having it on my shelf and i also am in the position where I can share this game with a lot of others, um, even oh, yeah. if I'm not the one running it. I have run a tabletop RPG class actually at the high school where I teach oh, cool. um, several um, uh, times, and it's uh, January. We have this thing called Winterum. Uh, it's like an interim, a two-week January term basically, and uh, we get we're encouraged to do all kinds of different things. So uh, I've run a tabletop RPG class several times, and. Um, that one was a little bit of like a stretch for high schoolers. Um, it, it, it's a little risky, I'd say, um, in terms of just, uh, there, there's a lot of information on safety tools here and a lot of ways that a, a teenager who's missing us telling a story about that could go wrong. Um, so, 
Um, anyway, I felt like the group I had uh, could handle it last year, and they did. And I uh, uh, look forward to sharing it with other high school students, possibly in the future. So what, what, the class was, uh, did you have to pitch it to the people that you were, had to run it by? That mm-hmm. like, oh, it's got the, it, it, it will have this benefit and this benefit. And, yeah. you know, it'll teach, it'll teach kids about social interaction and it'll teach them creative thinking and like all of the usual things that we Yeah, do, yeah, I think. Um, bump up all of the good things that TTRPGs <laughs> can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely did that, whether or not I had to. Like, I, I think it's, I mean, they, they have a lot of trust in us as teachers. Right, and um, it's, it's a really good environment in that way. Um, and because it's only two weeks, the stakes are low. Um, and we're encouraged to do fun things that, um, you know, uh, relate to some of our, our hobbies. Um, because there are probably kids who do enjoy or would enjoy our hobbies too. So. And did yep. you have, did you have like a curriculum for it? Like what you were trying to get out of it by the end of the two week class or was it just kind of yeah. like a turn up and play some RPGs? <laughs> no, I definitely had a curriculum. I would do history lessons every day on the history of mostly the history of D and D, which is, uh, you know, uh-huh. the, the dominant game in the hobby. Yeah. Um, so I do a little like 15 minute, you know, I had some slides and we'd talk about the history. Um, what else? We did some world building exercises. Um, I um, taught like a mini class on miniature painting and we actually got our hands on some paint and minis. Um, yeah, things like that. And then, yeah, I mean, learning D and D is, is kind of daunting for mm-hmm. uh, some kids who, you know, we all have, we all learn at different paces and yeah. have different tolerance for complex rule systems. So, um, so character creation, for example, is something I did uh, have attempted almost every time. And uh, it can be, a time-consuming process with like 20 high school students yeah. oh yes it can be a time-consuming process with like four people exactly <laughs> yeah. Entire, yeah so usually i have some helpers making characters yeah yeah so and then yeah i mean encouraging kids to gm for the first time is a big goal of mine um where <clears throat> we start with maybe the more experienced gms and then i really encourage the experienced GM who runs maybe the first day of playing D&D to like then pass it off to another person in the group. Um, ideally someone who hasn't done it before and kind of be a mentor for them and show mm-hmm, them here's mm-hmm. here's where we left off and here's maybe where you could take things. So you like getting your high school kids addicted to uh, to this this consuming hobby of ours. <laughs> this, That's this, right. This life That's right. Got to get them in. <laughs> get them in early. The first one's free. First two weeks yeah. is free. And then you got to buy the books. <laughs> you got to buy the right. dice and the DM screens. <laughs> that's right um no we actually had to go fund me to raise money for books and dice so we have all oh, that nice. stuff but kid, kids still want their own Let's is that when is that when the rpg you, you mentioned that was like an rpg club as well at the school yeah is that when that started like as a, a tie over from the <clears throat> rpg class that you were running sort of yeah i mean i am not super involved in the rpg club unfortunately i'm an advisor and um and i um have gm'd for the club before um, but I'm usually more of um, like a, just a, a moral supporter. Like, I believe in this and you yeah. guys keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, the, that's the purpose <clears throat> and that's the dream is to be like, hey, get into the thing so that you guys can keep going with it because I can only be yep. in so many places at once. Yep, exactly. So I have another staff member uh, named Liz and she's awesome at like just she runs the game every week almost and she's a lot more hands on with it. But I, I do help out. 
And that, that was like maybe a year or two after I started running that class. And there was immediate desire. I just didn't have the time and we didn't have yeah. a staff member at the time. So uh, it finally did happen and I'm glad it's still going. What did you, um, what did you, uh, sorry, what made you want to jump to D&D um, over Pathfinder? Was it simply just like you understood that like it was the more popular, it was fifth edition was getting more popular than mm -hmm. Pathfinder was. And so you needed to kind of jump ship to go with the flow in terms of growth of your channel or, or did you just yeah, I mean, you try at that time and, and actually genuinely like it better than Pathfinder? Yeah, I genuinely liked it more. Um, I did, but I do think there's certainly an aspect, it, not even that for the growth of my channel, uh, because at that time, like I had, I had nothing like mm. when fifth edition came out and I, I officially made the switch. Like, I think, yeah, anyway, um, I think there is an attraction certainly that all of us can relate to of like, oh, this is the new thing. Let's do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of sad in a way, um, but uh, that was very much a thing for me. Um, and this sounds bad too, but there is actually something to the name Dungeons and Dragons. That's like, it's it's the original. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, and when you say it definitely has weight to it, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, it conjures, it like does a lot of the work for you, like explaining what it is you do and things. And like people have heard of Dungeons and Dragons, even people outside of the TTRPG community have heard of D and D. They haven't heard of Pathfinder, so it takes one 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 of those extra steps out of explaining what you do to your family when you when you meet up with them. What do you do for a living? I'm yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons streamer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it makes things a little bit easier, but still, like, there you'll still get confused looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I lean into that by just saying I'm a dungeon master, and then just leaving it at that. And be like, okay, I, I, it's, it's not as dodgy as it sounds. I I just entertain adults online. Uh, I just help them act out their fantasies. Um, it's uh, just. <laughs> This is this is going in a direction I heartily approve of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's I, I'll joke with my wife some sometimes like, you know, if we're out like we have neighbors around who will often have like a bonfire in the backyard or something like that. And we're just hanging out, having some beers. And um, and sometimes it's like, oh, I got to go. I got to I got a game, guys. And then the neighbors will say like, oh, is he the is he the game dungeon dungeon master game master for this one? Because I get stressed before that. And there's a difference between me running a game right. and me like being in yeah, a game. Yeah, so yeah. my wife is very aware of this. She'll ask, like, are you running this one? Because, you know, it, know like if you don't know yet, no, I'm, I'm not like I would be stressing <laughs> way more. if I was. Yeah. So anyway, I'd be I'd be in a crabby mood snapping at all of you and I'd be in the basement all day prepping. Um, but. <laughs> All that to say, you know, I, I do enjoy joking a little bit about like, well, you know, to the neighbors who are like, oh, are you the dungeon master? I'll say, well, I'm her dungeon master. Like, <laughs> hug my wife, <laughs> you know, just just get a little yeah. weird with it. It's 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 a good name. It's uh, it's it's a it's a yeah, it's definitely something that brings up um, raised eyebrows sometimes if they don't know what you're talking about. I've only yeah. I've only once or twice met somebody who had never even heard of Dungeons and Dragons before that I had to fully explain yeah. everything that I do right from the very beginning, right, right from the ground up. And yeah, it's like, because because normally you kind of pit, it, it's always the the case of like, what do you do for a living? And you're like, where do I pitch this? You're gonna mm -hmm. you're gonna look at them, gauge them, and be like, how much am I gonna like? Are they gonna are they in the nerd community at all? Do, have they heard of tabletop role playing yeah. games? If I just use the acronym TTRPG, is that gonna no maybe uh, 
I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I, I'm an entertainer online. Okay, we'll pitch it there, and they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah. what do you do?" Like, and then sometimes they'll be like, "Are you on Twitch?" And I'll be like, "Okay, so they've heard of Twitch." Uh, <laughs> and I'm constantly, yep. constantly playing this game of like, "Where, where am I going to come in here to then explain further what I do?" Um, yeah, this, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, this this other one, uh, she was like, "What do you do?" As I was an entertainer, and she goes, "Oh, like what, what's other?" And I was like, "I tell stories online with a uh, there's a game called Dungeons and Dragons, and and normally that's when the recognition." She goes, "I was like." okay um so it's so have you heard of role-playing <laughs> and she's like yeah and i was like not that kind of role-playing <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's not they, they haven't got the monopoly on on uh, the word role-play in the uh, in the kink community um that's right <laughs> so yeah i really had to go all the way back and be like all right so imagine and i eventually went back to so have you heard of like choose your own ending books and she's like yeah and i was like okay so imagine you're reading a choose your own ending book but you get to the bottom of the page and instead of uh, if you want to go to the Mercury's house, turn to page six and blah, 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 page seven. Uh, instead of that, you also have an infinite list of things that you want to do. And it's just your imagination as to what you do. Like, yeah. do you want to take off your shoe? You can do that. You can, if you want to. And, as, and I finally managed to sort of explain it like in that way of, as to what, what this game is. Like you can, you can just, you're, you're yeah. playing a game and you're, and you're deciding what to do in the moment and you can decide anything you want. And then you roll the dice to see if, how it turns out. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, just explaining to people who have never played before, like the infinite choices thing. That's yeah. an awesome thing to explain to be able to say like, hey, or or uh, with the with computer games, it's like, you know, so you, have you played like the Elder Scrolls? You played Skyrim? Have you played Zelda? Like, you know, imagine yeah, those yeah. sorts of games. But you can like it's, you can really do anything. World. It's, it's yeah. literally open world. And, and the world can change like that. Like, yeah. you're not stuck with this map. Like, no. <laughs> how often so, do, yeah, that's, how, that's pretty cool. How often do you actually get to play? Oh, man, not often enough. So, like, I ran a game about a month ago, and I haven't played since then. Um, now, it's been a bit of a, a rough month. We had some... Um, my my uh, father-in-law passed away in September, so... Oh, sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, thank you. So... Um, that was, that was a, a factor certainly. And I feel like, you know, that kind of put me in just a rut too with creating, like I finally yeah. put out a video, uh, a few days ago and it was my first video in, I think five weeks, maybe, I don't know. That seems yeah, crazy was, to me, but yeah, I, I was, uh, I was in the, um, the, the YouTube yesterday, just sort of prepping for this. Cause I was like, I hadn't seen a video from him in a while. Um, and yeah. I, saw, I saw one from two days ago and I was like, oh, I guess he is still putting them out. I just don't, aren't seeing them because YouTube's algorithm yeah. is not pushing them to me, I guess. Um, but that's <laughs> probably, probably what it is. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I do get in ruts like that here and there, but that was a, a abnormally long one. Uh, so anyway, all that to say, I don't play um, often as often as I would like to. Um, but I would say on average, um, you know, two, three games a month probably for me. I'm not like a huge as, as a player or as a dungeon master or some of uh, both, you know, a little of both, probably mostly running stuff. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to be, my, my next plans are to run, uh, the one ring, um, from free league second edition of the one ring. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Uh, the original plan was like, that's going to be a summer thing. And then that's going to be a September thing. And <laughs> that's how it's been. But, um, so anyway, I'll be running that sometime soon. And I'm looking forward to that. I'll be doing the starter set, which is a Hobbit adventure. 
Um, it's all all takes place in the Shire, which is a really cool idea for a starter set. Like, hey, <laughs> to keep things somewhat limited in terms of not dumping everything, everything on, you, on you, the entire world. Let's, yeah. yeah, it's a good way to keep it simple. Yeah, it's pretty smart. I mean, if you if you, it's like it's already made for that because you look at the Hobbit and you look at the Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings and then you're like, which it's like this one is the introduction to this one. Yeah. Yeah, it, totally. Yeah, it fits fits really uh, well with it. So is it? Uh, I don't I don't know the um, the system. Is it a D twenty based system? Uh, it is not. Um, it uses. Um, so the One Ring was first published by Cubicle Seven Games back in maybe twenty twelve or something, and um, and it was pretty well received. And it's it's got its own unique system. Uh, it's mostly a D twelve. Um, to uh, in terms of success some, or failure, you might some be love rolling. to the the the, uh, the much ignored D12. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in fact, I've got some of the dice right here. They had to send new D12s out because um, they actually had a printing error on them, uh, and I, I felt so bad to have such a massive Kickstarter and then have like, oh, all our D12s were printed wrong. So um, you can see. Oh, let me let me adjust my focus here. You can see a little bit. Maybe uh, oh, there's yeah. some funky symbols. Yeah, like that. This is the Gandalf symbol, actually. Oh, okay. And then there's also uh, the Eye of Sauron there. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's, as you can imagine, not a good thing. Um, and um, and then you've also got, I think, um, a lot of D sixes for uh, other things right. as well. So oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, I haven't um, I haven't looked into that at all. So and yeah, it's... there's. It, it, there's a dearth of like uh lord of the rings games that i mean they're they're yeah. as old as time as old as role-playing games people were making <laughs> lord of the rings stuff yeah. but um it's getting a little confusing because there was the one ring uh in like 2012 or whatever and then um there was adventures in middle earth which was a 5e adaptation of middle earth <laughs> right uh and i have some of those books and they're out of print and they're selling for crazy amounts of money now um and then now there's a new edition of the one ring cubicle seven lost the license, I think, uh, or the rights. And, um, so now free league picked it up. There's the one ring second edition. And now they just announced that there's going to be, and I think it might be out. The core book might be out now a, a new fifth edition adaptation of middle earth <laughs> as well that they're making. So it's just like, Oh gosh, come on. They're gonna make. They're gonna We're make diluting one, it. Yeah. They're going to make one a pathfinder version of it as well. Pathfinder two. Yeah, one, exactly. Right? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Did the, it happen? Um, the, a friend, a friend of mine's um, got a. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's it's a more wargamey um, uh, Lord of the Rings as well, with a bunch of terrain and miniatures and. Um, oh yeah, more yeah. Of a, more of a miniature war game rather than a role playing game, but. Yeah, there's a couple of those, and there's a board game box I just saw at the store. I was just at the hobby shop literally like two hours ago, and it was huge. And it was called Journeys in Middle Earth, and. Um, right. It's it's like an adventure game, but yeah, there's also like a war game. Um, yeah, and I think I think it might be from and even though it's not a role playing game. Like any game that I play tends to devolve into a role playing game because I'll be like, <laughs> there I'll you putting go. on stupid voices for the meeples and things, and I'll be and so like, well yeah, I was, I was well doing done. that. I was like playing Legolas, and I was making decisions that weren't optimal, and the rest of the party were getting pissed off because I was like, but Legolas <laughs> wouldn't. Why would I go back and try and kill that guy when there's that guy in front of me? And he's he's like, yeah, but he's the one who's got three attacks, and I'm like, I don't know that. <laughs> I'm I haven't seen that. And they're like, you're not get your head out of the not metagaming. You're allowed to metagame in this. You're you're meant to metagame because it's balanced around actually doing the optimal moves. I'm like, yeah, but 
have to have to well <laughs> good on you for representing the the role players uh there but yeah i i would have hated you too <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I see a comment in the chat. I hope you don't mind me calling some no, out. Are the players hobbits by default? Yes, they are in the starter set. Um, there's actually, uh, there's the chance for some other things, but that's a bit of a spoiler. Uh-huh. Um, so you, you do all start as hobbits and there's actually a chance to jump ship and play a different character. It's like five adventures. So. After you after you find the ring and devolve into Smeagol. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's the spoiler. <laughs> um yeah that reminds me though uh, people in the chat thank you for your patience i know that i don't really interact with the chat much in these short rests as as well my longtime fans will know um but <laughs> i do usually have a portion at the end where i do go over any questions that have come in during the uh during the game so uh, during the um, interview uh, sorry so if you want to use your uh channel points to redeem a ask me a dnd question then it goes into my redemptions queue and then i don't miss them uh, and I can call them out later. So if you've got any questions for me or Nate or both of us or ne- I was going to say or neither, but like if you've got a question for neither of us, that wouldn't really work. <laughs> but if for the got, ether, if, yeah, for the ether. If you want to put it out for the chat, if you if you want to uh, if you want to ask a question of somebody that might be watching this vod when it goes to YouTube later, then you want them to see the question, then ask that now, and I will I will read it out. Um, so yeah, get your D and D questions in, and I'll ask them at the end. Uh, so the one D and D, so you're uh, the one ring. Sorry, the no, yeah, one D and D. We could talk about that as well. That's Jeez, that'd thing. be a whole topic. <laughs> um, one, the one ring. Um, you've been a fan of Lord of the Rings for a while, so that's what made you want to run it, yeah. or it's just like a, a famous. Yeah, I've, I've definitely give it a go. No, it's definitely a Lord of the Rings thing for me. Um, I've been a fan for a long time. Probably read the, the Hobbit when I was, you know, twelve or thirteen for the first time, mm. and uh, that started a love of Lord of the Rings. So. Yeah, um, just, it's I cool. Just, I, it's it's I, a little always, daunting. Yeah, it's very. I mean, yeah, I've always found um, it so fascinating how different Lord of the Rings is to The Hobbit. Like I read The Hobbit mm. as a kid and uh, mm-hmm. studied it again in like English in high school or something. And then uh, when The Hobbit was being filmed here in New Zealand, um, I was auditioning for it. And so in preparation, I was like, uh, let me just brush up on on The Hobbit because it's been a while. Uh, and I ended up reading the whole thing in a day. It was so easy and easy, like it's children's book. Yeah. It's so thin. Um, yeah. But the Lord of the Rings, I've tried a couple of times to get to to read it, and it's, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't get into it. It's so, it's yeah. so dense, and there's, I, I keep yep. getting put off by like the songs that have no melody because I'm like, I don't know what the melody oh, is to this song, so I can't sing it. And a lot of the words are, yeah. f- uh, 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 made up Elvish words or something, so I don't know even yeah. how to pronounce them while I'm singing them and. Uh, and then there's a whole yeah. bunch of lore and history that I'm like, I don't know who these people are. So, I just <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I can sympathize a lot with that. And I would say five years ago, I would say I was one of those people who said, I've let, read the Lord of the Rings once and that's mm. enough. Um, <laughs> I, I loved it and I love the movies, but I actually just started uh, reading it. I got a Kindle for my birthday back in September and I, I was like, I'm gonna pick up the Lord of the Rings because this might be a good chance to start reading this again. And I'm I'm loving it, the Fellowship of the Ring. But all the things you're saying are true. The songs, I wonder if that gets, I hope the songs become less frequent um, <laughs> than they are in like the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring. Cause there, there are, are so a lot of songs. Many songs. I remember that, that's like the one, that's the one thing that I remember putting me off most about reading Lord of the Rings was this, just the frequency of the songs, like every other page. And I'm like, I don't know what the melody is. I don't know how to harmonize anything here. I don't know even like who's singing and who's joining in. <laughs> and 
Skip. Yeah. Skip. Skip. No, if they just had a to the tune of <laughs> there, like that's <laughs> to something. The tune of you know? Happy birthday. <laughs> exactly. All, like, all give me the, something. All, all of the Lord of the Rings songs are sung. <laughs> I would. I would sing that crap in the shower if they put it to the tune of in there. I don't, those would be stuck in my family's head constantly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it is good. I'm many, enjoying it a lot. How many people but, do you have yeah. to, um, how many people do you have to, um, uh, run with for the one ring? Um, I think it is four players, yeah. um, four, four hobbits. It might be five though. I don't remember. Um, yeah, right now I've just been reviewing the rules a little bit, and I just you got this don't new need book. A group of um, nine fellowship. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I just got this new one, The Ruins of the Lost Realm, which is more of a setting book with some adventure hooks and stuff like that for some of the areas that are not covered in the main book. I just got to show people this because it's awesome. Oh, where'd it go? Yeah, like this illustration of Weathertop here is. Oh, there we go that way. Yeah, it's nice. just so cool. I love the art in here. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so cool, cool maps and locations, and it's pretty much all I, I, can... I mainly got that book just for the pretty pictures. Yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty much all I can do. Uh, all I can get out of a setting book or a module book these days is just yeah. like opening it up and going, "Ooh, that's pretty." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I hear you on that. It's it's hard. the The number of books that I, the number of unread pages back there is far greater than the number of read pages. <laughs> yeah. Man, I just, I just like, I, I, I'm going to, um, to Bali for like two or three weeks in December, and I'm very excited mm. for it because, uh, my, I'm, I'm very much a do things on holiday kind of a person. I'm like, uh, oh, activities and go and do this other thing, and you can only do this in Bali, so let's do that. Uh, whereas my partner mm. is like a very much, uh, enjoy your expensive accommodation and sit in like a very fancy Airbnb and just enjoy the pool <laughs> and sit by the, sit by the beach and read. Uh, and so she's she's been like, you're not doing anything for this <laughs> for this holiday, okay? <laughs> and it's like, oh, but I can. And she's like, no, there's no. You're not getting work done. You're not progressing anything. You've got. You're not working on your YouTube channel or your whatever. You, you're gonna sit by a, sit by a beach and read. Um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, a friend um, a friend of mine brought me around uh, a bunch of the uh, Tamara Pierce books that a bunch of my community have been been. Mm. Um, telling me i should read for a while i don't know the first thing about nice tamra pierce or at work but a bunch of people are like you'd yeah. like it you'd like it go uh, make sure to read them so i'm gonna nice i'm gonna read a chapter or two before i go to make sure that i'm not taking them and then realizing i hate them um <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> that's a good idea yeah <laughs> but yeah then i'm just gonna enjoy sitting down and reading i might take uh, i might take some other stuff that i've been intending on reading forever as well yeah no that sounds great I, Does, that's it, one it, of my <laughs> ideal vacations it's just Sitting and reading, Sitting like and reading. I love it. The the yep. uh, the sort of funny thing is that it's like I'm looking forward to this uh, this this vacation when I finally get to sit down and do nothing. But in order to prepare for that moment when I have to sit down and do nothing, I have to do more work to make sure that my <laughs> all of my YouTube stuff is still going while I'm on vacation. And so yes. it ends up being the same amount of work. It's just you've taken the December work and you've put it in November alongside yes. the November work. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, oh, I mean, as a teacher, I hear you there. It's way more work <laughs> to make sub plans than it is just to show up and teach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. 
Um, so uh, we're like an hour and a bit into this conversation. I haven't even asked you about like the first stuff that I got into of your work, um, which is kind of your map yeah. wo- your map work. Um, so the th- thing that yeah. I, I always thought of uh, WSD20 associated with was your uh, wonderful advice on how to how to make maps. Uh, I have I still use that to this day. Like when I'm making things, it's still the advice of like I start with the continent shape usually, then I decide where the mountains are from that. Uh, and then from there, that that dictates where the rivers are. Uh, those usually dictate where the forests go, and the rivers and the forests dictate where this the human humanity and civilization and the towns and settlements are. And and then from there, you've got your your world diplomacy. If there's two cities next to each other, then they're either trading or at war, and all that stuff. <laughs> it was just yeah. so much of your uh, fantastic um, uh, advice boiled down into a very short sentence there, but. Uh, it's it's it, it's so ingrained in me to think that way about maps that when I started DMing for the Viva La Dirt League uh, comedy group, they sent me a they sent me like a world map that I was going to be using, and that's an that's a weird experience. I don't know if you've ever had this situation, but I am DMing in their world, so I'm not mm. fully in charge of the world building and things. Yeah, uh, and it's and it's a weird experience mm. to be DMing in a world that you're not uh, world building. So I have to constantly run things by them as to like where is the where is this city and is there a, is there a plane that this happens on because I kind of need it for this upcoming story without giving too much away yeah. to spoil the story for you. It's a weird experience, yeah. but they sent me through a map uh, and I was like, okay, cool. There's a mountain range here and the river runs down from there and it goes past these villages and it goes past those villages and it goes up into that mountain range and then it oh. There's a double-ended, double-ended mountain <laughs> river there that runs from one gotcha, mountain range yep. into another mountain range, and I po- yep. pointed, pointed that out to yep. him, and he's like, "Meh," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh no, this is okay, okay. Come up with a magical reason, Rob. Come up with a magical reason for it. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a filter in the in the center of the river. It, it filters down into a big underground aqueduct, cave, lake, ocean, and so they, okay, cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got it. You got it. Yep, yeah. There are there's some sort of magical force underneath each of these mountain ranges pulling at the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would yeah, be Lo- a massive lake instead it's a long river. Logan <laughs> <laughs> says there's dragons and elves but you draw the line at uphill water. Yep. <laughs> you know there's got to be internal consistency and if we've established the fact that gravity is a thing in this world, then water should flow downhill. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it, it, that's funny. That's funny. But no, that that does seem like an odd experience. Like, um, yeah, running something in this world that, that they have created. I mean, we do that with published works, but that's a little different because it's yeah. like here's this official canon book here. Yeah. You know, and 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 people all over the world are playing in this world, and also you can go watch videos about Forgotten Realms things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which but, is why no, when I first fun. when I first started the I just immediately was like, um, this is going to be a homebrew world because I don't want to have to worry about getting everything right about Forgotten Realms and like having some nerd at my yeah. table in some future game being like, um, well, actually, you said it was only a week's journey from uh, Waterdeep to Baldur's Gate, so therefore mm. we, we should actually be. I was like, I don't know. I, I yeah. make, yeah. If I make actually, everything up, nobody can call me on it. <laughs> Yeah, I happen to know there's a smaller town to the west of Waterdeep that <laughs> yeah. we could stop we at. We could stop there, and um, they do have a trading post that would 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 be able to uh, provide <laughs> us with the needed weapons. To, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, no, I hear you there. So, uh, so tell me about the maps. About what, when did you start making right. map stuff and and getting yeah. into uh, map advice? 
Yeah, so I have to give huge credit to uh, a YouTube channel called Questing Beast, uh, who mostly does old school uh, Renaissance, like OSR um, book reviews nowadays, but used to make mapping videos and I was inspired by his stuff to try my own map. Um, and I turned on a camera and uh, people liked it. <laughs> so that's really, I mean, the start of it. Obviously I had the, the um, idea of, I have a homebrew world that I've already created. Now let's make a map for it, um, which a lot of GMs are in that position. Um, and yeah, so that, that really took off. Um, and I, so I kept doing uh, videos. Uh, I do find it like a little bit weird to be like the map guy um, in a lot of ways, in terms of like YouTube um, mm -hmm. content creators at least. Um, but to not really be making that many videos about maps anymore <laughs> it's because like, it's like when you it's like when you've got like one elephant uh, ornament and then somebody comes around and is like oh he likes elephants and they get you an elephant as like a souvenir when they go on holiday and now you've got two elephants and then somebody's like oh he's got elephant this and, and your elephant put and you suddenly become and you're like i never meant to be an elephant guy <laughs> like what i just people it's a snowballing effect <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so no. You, it, you made you is... made a map video and it went well, so people are like more of those, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll have another map video, and now I'm the map guy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's slightly true. Now I have probably made about forty mapping videos to be fair, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I feel in some ways like I, I love maps. I still work on maps regularly. I have a weekly um, map drawing stream for my patrons. I um, get map commissions, you know, several a year, um, and I really enjoy, uh, I find it cathartic just sitting in my basement drawing, you know, mm. um, it's nice. But, um, and, and just engaging with creative people in that way. And, and it's an honor when someone asks you to make the map of this thing they've created. But I do find it really challenging to continue making map content for my YouTube channel, just because I, I feel like in many ways I've said what I had to say. Yeah. And yeah. anything now is just like little extra things I'm trying to squeeze out of that topic. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so. obviously with a video, the whole point of it is that it's kind of there forever. And so people can go back and just watch mm -hmm. it. And so re making a refresh video that's like, it's just the same yeah. content I said six years ago, but now I'm saying it again. <laughs> with, yeah. Which with I a, did do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. No, I did do that. And I feel like it was worth it because my production quality and sound and stuff yeah. gotten yeah, a lot better but um now i'm like i mean sure i will probably do that <laughs> again so, in two or three years yeah, exactly there's only so many in times 4k can, there's, only, <laughs> there's only so many times you can reboot a soft soft reboot of a franchise of map making uh, yeah. yeah, every every YouTuber though experiences that a little bit like like I had this video that did really well two years ago. It's gangbusters. I should do it again. I should do it again. I should do that, yep. that same video again. And then you do it and YouTube it goes gangbusters and you're like, Well, okay, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> just yep. Yep. I just have two years worth of content that I just keep re I just use the same two years worth of content again. I mean, I think you could attention. definitely do that. I think it's very possible. <laughs> it would be, it would be funny to properly lean into that and never mention it, like never, never reference it yourself, mm -hmm. and like make pretty much shot for shot <laughs> and like the script mm -hmm. for script, the exact same video, just reshoot it and re-edit it with better production quality, but like the same content, and just see 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 how long it takes for people to properly call you out on it. 
I would love that experiment. Uh, if anyone is who has a, a large enough following out there is totally willing to squander just it for this fun experiment, just like, for fun, just for please, the <laughs> for science. <laughs> How dumb are my viewers? That's <laughs> uh, not true. That's not true. What uh, what mapping software software you do use when you're creating digital <clears throat> one? Yeah, so I use Photoshop, um, and I will still do some stuff on paper. Uh, and sometimes it's a combination uh, where I start on paper and get the basic line work, shape of the continent, and maybe draw the mountains and forests. And then I scan it and, uh, and we'll do some Photoshop work in terms of getting text that's not my chicken scratch and uh, maybe some, some fun aged paper effects and right. uh, things like that. Um, but sometimes I often do just start right in Photoshop. And I have this big old um, <clears throat> like drawing tablet, Wacom uh, Cintiq. Right, digital yeah. drawing display that i use for that that's good yeah i am um, I, I i've been using um uh, well i used pen and uh, pencil and paper for all of my earliest maps which is great but it does mean that i've now got a folder full of maps that i have to s s search through and look for and they're getting all tatty because i've been using them for six and a bit years yeah. and stuff um uh, so i've i've been trying more recently when i'm making maps to make them digital just for the longevity of them um and it meant it's taken a while to go through different programs and softwares trying to find one that vibes with me in my lack of um lack of digital artistry i mean okay like i'm okay at drawing but i'm not an artist by any means and so um uh yeah i, I tend to just use something that does a lot of it for me like incarnate or something or I yeah be like here's a landmass and here's and then subtract tool to make some rivers mm -hmm. i still <laughs> love incarnate i'm glad that tools like that exist um and i i still play around with it i jump in there you know once a year or so just to see what new stuff they've added and it's it's a lot of fun yeah for sure um i'm seeing some uh questions in the chat guys don't forget to use the redemption of the um uh the the D, &D questions so that they don't get missing because otherwise they'll just disappear into the ether if you ask me the D, &D question then it'll uh it'll be added to re the redemptions queue and i'll be able to uh, see them later um what was i saying so yeah i, I use uh, incarnate for a lot of stuff um and yeah. uh, and i find it really useful ever since they added the undo button because god i don't know why that oh, wasn't man. an initial feature like when they, when i first started using yeah. incarnate and they didn't have an undo you accidentally yeah. oops i just erased all of this bit oh. yeah totally <laughs> things and they're like we're adding undo i'm like that should have been a first feature <laughs> Like, how on earth did it take a year and a half or whatever it was that, yeah. <laughs> that existed without undo? Um, yeah, that was the big selling point for Wonder Draft. Uh, I remember I did a, a video review of Wonder Draft comparing it to to um, uh, Incarnate. And uh, basically, I mean, I could have just made that video. They have an undo button and then ended it right there. <laughs> yeah. It's such an yeah. obvious. It's always baffles me when it's such an obvious feature that's missing, and then it takes yeah. it takes people, it takes the community going, "Hey, where's this button?" And people going, "Oh, there isn't one yet." For them to finally realize, yeah. "Oh, there's there's call for undo." Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So. Uh, I think we're. Uh, I think I'm getting to the end of the things that I wanted to chat about, but there's obviously yeah. plenty more stuff we can talk about with D and D. Is there is is there anything else that you, that's coming up in the future for you that you want to talk about, or what's the future of of uh, WSD twenty? Yeah. You know, I guess just I, I've been going through. I don't have anything specific. I'm not a very good business person in terms of like <laughs> I have ABC events and this thing and this thing and this thing. Um, I you, you know got another life as a teacher. As <laughs> yeah, a D &D yeah, my. Be on, be all and end all. 
Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I'm a parent and I'm a teacher and I, I stay busy. But um, I think also, um, like, I've just been going through a lot of thoughts about uh, where D&D is headed and kind of, you know, I, I sold some of my D&D 5th edition books and I, um, I like a lot of the things they're doing. Um, but I also just am kind of like getting antsy. I have, I have a little bit of that kind of like yeah, just yeah. antsiness of like wanting to try lots of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm dabbling. That's, that's why I'll be running the one ring. Um, I really am attracted to uh, dungeon crawl classics in a lot of ways. That's a really fun right. system. I've only gotten to play it once or twice. Um, but um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on with me. Lots I'm just of, thinking lots, about lots what else can I do? Expanding out of D and D as well, and being like, hey, there's more mm -hmm. more than just D and D in this world. And in case, right. it's, I mean, it's it's uh, handy to set that groundwork now in case one D and D is a flop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In case, in case <laughs> suddenly everybody jumps ship because because uh, yeah. one D and D changes too many things or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's. Uh, I I'd like. I'd love to play more indie RPGs as well, and like different smaller systems. But again, it's mm -hmm. a matter of finding the time to do so. Uh, whenever yeah, I'm invited on, me. whenever I'm invited on somebody's channel to to play something that's not D and D, I'm I'm usually uh, pretty inclined to to say, yeah, let's do it. I'm uh, next week. I'm on Phoenix mm -hmm. Wacky's channel doing a, um, a honey heist. Uh, it's nice. a, a reversed honey heist though that we're, we're all going to be like uh, three kobolds in a trench coat pretending to be bears uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's going to be pretty funny yeah, um, yeah I've done a lot of one page RPGs as well I think another one of the, um, nice. the one of the stretch goals that uh, uh, on that in that same stream that I committed myself to doing Pathfinder I, I said that I would run a one page RPG um, and uh, I've run I've run one called Kaiju Girls, which mm. is just as it sounds, another Grant Howitt one page uh, where, where you are yeah. schoolgirls who are also able to turn into Kaiju. Um, Sweet. <laughs> it was a lot I've played, yeah. I've played in a few uh, one shots with um, Sarah Moore from uh, Sarah's Table. I don't know if you know her, but she's she's fantastic for running lots of uh, uh, individual games. She she does um, uh, she does all kinds of different like, and she and she often does them as three episodes, which is quite uh, quite um, important, I think, for getting a feel for a game. Like if it's more than just a yeah. one page, uh, then yeah. then running them as a three game, you really get kind of a beginning, middle, end. You get into the arc of your character and stuff, and but it's still short yeah. enough that you can commit to it without it being too um, too much for you, too much of your time. Uh, she yeah. ran a game called Rebels uh, Rebel Scum. Uh, which was um, a very fun, definitely not Star Wars game. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, you're you're using laser swords and 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 uh, laser rifles and yeah. stuff. <laughs> That's fighting, fun. fighting yeah, space a... Nazis and things. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who put out. Uh, it's I mean he he'll openly say it's a hack of the West End Games D6 Star Wars system, <laughs> and uh, it's called Hyperspace D6, and it's like yeah, this is. <laughs> there's no star wars written in there there's Definitely probably no lightsabers no written yeah. in there but um it's yeah <laughs> but you it's know cool. what it is yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, uh, I played a really fun one called sexy battle wizards as well have you, play, have you played that one it's no a, no it sounds it's, awesome yeah it's another grant howitt one page uh, and you uh you have three stats sexy battle and wizard and so, and so, you, and so if you if you're trying to seduce your way out of a problem you, you you're all sexy if you're trying to fight your way out of a problem you're all battle and if you're trying to uh, be a little more um a little more cunning uh, with your way out yep. of uh, any problems than you're all wizard uh, and you and it's, yep. it's 3d6s so you just choose uh <laughs> sorry you, you it's yeah you've got three two and one so in 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 one of those three stats you've got three 
uh, in one of them you've got two and in the other you've got one and so if you're if you're yep. not as good of a wizard as you are as sexy then you might have three in sexy and one in wizard and then if you're trying to roll uh, if you're trying to roll to seduce somebody you roll 3d6 and one of them has to be above the target number like five or six or something to succeed yeah <clears throat> but it's oh, very man. funny and it can lead to some really um uh hilarious uh, uh, uh situations where yeah where, where where in one of them uh somebody was falling out of a plane and uh, and gonna hit the ground and she's like what do you do and i was like oh, i i think i had three in wizard for that game so i was like i, I open up a teleport and, and you don't have like you don't have spells that you, you just like roll a, you tell her what you're gonna do and she's like i'll set a dc for myself mm, five you need to roll above a five um so, <laughs> so you roll yeah i was like I, te- I open a teleport and, and suddenly i'm on the ground or something like that and then one of them guy one of the guys who'd put three into sexy he was like I, I, I lean I lean like this. Uh, I think it was Dag actually. I think it was I think it was Dag. He goes, I lean like this and I I, I take up a Fabio pose and I try and land on Robert's character <laughs> because I was playing a, I was playing a lion like a, an anthropomorphic lion and he's like I'm gonna land on him like a lion rug. <laughs> and she's like I'm pretty sure that's a sexy role. You're trying to seduce the ground to not hit you hard. And he's like, Yep, I'm gonna try and seduce the ground to, to let me land on it softly. So nice. Was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's just so many one-page RPGs that you like. You just have, even even the one-page RPGs, because Grant Howard keeps freaking churning them out. Yeah. So even there's so many indie RPGs, and they and they keep just coming out. So there's always more to to be playing than uh, than just the indie. I've played um, uh, yeah. Call of Cthulhu with one of my mods. Um, uh, that was a lot of fun to, mm. to uh, dip my toes into that game as well. Uh, yeah, that's on my list for sure. I, I want to play that at some point. Yeah, so much, so much stuff, and that you reckon is, is. going to be a little more of the future of WSD twenty, like leaning into some exploring um, some other games. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I I try not to make any um, predictions about what the future holds. Uh, <laughs> I need to follow <clears throat> my muse. Yeah, that's fair. And my muse is very fickle. <laughs> <laughs> when do you so. um, where do you get your sort of muse from? When do you when do you come up with ideas for uh, for new content and? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> usually when I'm not in a place to like, you know, really be sitting down and working, uh, usually just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have a little bit of, uh, ADD in, in terms of my, my work at school, I'll be grading papers one minute, then answering an email the next minute, then, yeah. um, then someone comes into the office and I've got all these things going at a time. And in the back of my mind, I've also got RPG stuff and video yeah. stuff. So yeah. then I just open Google Keep and a lot of it's just, yeah, it comes to me at random moments. Um, and you but just open up a document, chuck it in there and be like, here's yep. some ideas for future videos. Yep, that's right. And I've got so many ideas. And then every any given week I'm sitting down and I'm just, you know, looking at my ideas going, what is most doable this week? Or what, <laughs> I mean, what is most inspiring yeah. uh, is, is often what it is. Because I've got all these ideas that were once inspiring and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a yeah. lot of work. Or yeah, you look at it like and you document it. You're like, negative oh, I, or... I wanted to do that at some point, did I? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally. So, yep. What's um? It's good though. It what's works. The, what's the process look like once you choose an idea? Like you, you just like right. Let's just crack it out <clears> immediately. You just go while I go while it's on my mind, or do you sit down and like write the thing first? Um, I will often um just outline a video. Um and and just make some bullet points uh that's most common to but just kind of get a through like, line of like so that it's watchable <laughs> so that, so that yeah, it's not just like exactly. rambling and going nowhere 
Yeah. Yep. And uh, and if it's a product video, yeah, definitely I have bullet points where I'm, you know, got my pro camera on the product usually, and then I've got my bullet points on a little sticky note to my right, so I can just kind of make sure I'm remembering everything I wanted to say about that product. Right. Um, and then for a lot of the like GM tips videos or like rants about certain topics, um, I do script some of those, um, and I use a little like parrot teleprompter on my camera, and it works. Um, and but I, I try to remain flexible enough to to deviate for sure from the script. And it usually takes you then, an hour a day. How, how long does it take to sort of do the oh, filming man. process of it? Yeah, so the filming process I usually do like three takes. I'd say on average, right. um, and um, and it, and I and I use the third one invariably <laughs> because it's yep. it's you know I've I've this time I said it like and I didn't know what I was doing. This time I said it and I was like, okay, that was a little too rambly. I think I can condense it because I don't want a 19 yeah. minute video. I would, I would love a 12 minute video. So then I get the right the third time or something it, like that. It makes sense. Or the sound is screwed up on yeah, one. Yeah, quite or... often you'll go, you'll go, okay, I'm coming in here because I think that's where it's going to be. And then you watch it or you, you do it and you, you're like, that's mm -hmm. not right. And you, you're like, okay, let's correct that. And then you overcorrect and you're like, mm -hmm. nope, <laughs> that's too. Yeah. And we'll find, and then you find the middle ground on the third. The, yeah. The, the Goldilocks yeah. situation, I suppose. <laughs> Right. So that, that process can take me two, three hours. And sometimes it's like, I'll do one take tonight and then I'm going to bed and I'll do two more tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the filming is the easy part for sure. Uh, compared to, for most videos compared to Editing. all the prep that goes into it and the thought and a lot of times research. Um, you know, I did a video last week on or earlier in the week on 3d virtual tabletops. And that was a lot of research that I had to do. Yeah. Um, just trying to, you know, ask people, Hey, have you heard of more of these? Like what, and, and mess, spending some time with some of them, not right, all of them, yeah. um, to get a feel for what they offer, yeah. um, reading reviews. And, and, uh, so yeah, the formation of that video was, you know, a good, like three weeks off and on of just pecking away at a script. And then, um, and that's what took me so long. That that was my, that was my drought. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, the editing, I would say, is usually anywhere from you know five to fifteen hours. Damn man, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of it work is. For yeah, the tip of the iceberg that people actually see. Yeah, but it, it is fun. It's definitely something we're like, ooh, the editing. Yeah, I should probably start trying to find someone who can edit for me. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I, especially I a, a scripted video. Yeah, I run a um, uh, I run a an interactive D and D game on my channel called Twitch Tales uh, every weekend, where mm. people in the chat are controlling the actions of the the sort of as a hive mind, they're controlling the actions of the the solo player. Um, and uh, for a while, for the start of it, I was doing all the editing of that as well, and it was just like so much of a time sink in, into my day that um, that I eventually uh, one of my mods um, was helping me above and beyond modding duties fancy unicorn um and mm -hmm. i was like would you be open to me paying you <laughs> to be more of an assistant role than than just just mod um and she still yeah. does she still does modding for uh, for free as a volunteer obviously as all my mods are and i would love to get to a stage mm -hmm. where i can actually pay them all um except you wraith um and then uh, and then <laughs> uh, and then she's like yeah yeah sure and then she's and now she just it goes above and beyond as an assistant as well as uh, as well as a mod mm -hmm. and i'm like i can't i still can't pay you more than i'm doing so but i feel like i should be doing for all the damn work that she's doing for me um including yeah. editing all of my twitch tales videos uh because good yeah. god it was such a such a relief of time when when i'm not the one editing them anymore 
Yeah. So much, so much time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, at least for me, like, I, I think because of that kind of like ADD scatterbrain sort of thing that I've got going, like, I think someone else would be way faster at editing too. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it takes me, you know, 12 hours, I bet you this person who does a lot of editing and is really good, it could take them six to eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, I will crack into the questions from the uh, the audience then, the chat, and we'll yeah. see see what people have been uh, asking. Uh, yeah, sounds great. Requests. There we go. Don't forget to get your questions in now, guys. So if you have a question for me or Nate, uh, Centauri asked an hour ago, "What's a monster or a creature that you'd really like to have in a game, either as a DM or a PC? A monster or a creature that you'd like to use in a game that you, that maybe you haven't." Yeah, so I mean, I haven't done much with dragons, so I think that that's definitely um, on the list. Um, it's it's hilarious how how infrequently Dungeons and Dragons come up in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, like I have run like a white dragon wormling in Sunless Citadel. I've done the Shardlin dragon in Icewind Dale. Um, there's probably a couple others I'm missing, <laughs> but they were probably like, oh, like in Pathfinder, the Black Dragon intro thing. Yeah. But yeah, like in terms of a proper like boss dragon, yeah. like not really. <laughs> I I had a very fun um, green dragon arc in Twitch Tales where uh, the main character got captured by a green dragon and outsmarted at every turn because of how cunning they are and all this stuff. And that was so much fun to run, like to be yeah. utterly like inherently evil and to, to yeah. be such a cunning and, and clever and tricky kind of a monster and stuff. So dragons are really cool. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd say one monster that I'm really looking forward to including at some point, it's so difficult to include them because they're definitely not a random encounter monster. You've got to have an entire arc dedicated to them, is the uh, False Hydra. I'd love to, I'd love to run mm. the False Hydra uh, sort of a story, which for anyone who doesn't know is kind of like, I don't want to spoil things too much in case you end up using them in games, but they're basically a monster that can make you forget that people ever existed. And so the best way to run false hydras are to have some clues as to the... Let's say you've got a four-person party. Have some clues as to the fact that there is a fifth one of you at one point and you don't realize it, mm. this sort of thing. And like have yeah. you to have you turn up at the, the uh, turn up at the tavern and there's five chairs set out for you, or there's like there's an extra bag, um, there's an extra um, bag of luggage or whatever um, in in your in your room when you when you wake up the next morning or something. And like there was never a fifth person there, but you are, are retconning that by making it seem like there was until eventually you realize there's a false hydra situation. Like you go to the tavern and there's a tavern man and his wife running the place, and the next morning the wife's missing and the tavern guy does, like claims that he's never been married uh so those yeah. sorts of clues it's like really you got to put a lot of work into like really layering it in uh so that when the when the um when the uh the reveal happens that it's this false hydra that's make that's devouring people and when they devour people they get forgotten about uh it's a really it's a real like whoa but i think one of the problems yep, with that's me, cool. one of the reasons i haven't used them yet is because a lot of my games are super roleplay heavy and so it would really change the group dynamic immediately from that point on. I would be, I would be, mm -hmm. if it, it feels like I would be dictating something for how they have to role play going forwards by being like, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, you've got a friend who you're just as close to as all of these people, um, but you've just forgotten about them. And they would all just be 
completely changed as people um, from that point on. Yeah. So you got to find yeah. a group to use one, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's that's cool though. I, I, that's really cool. Um, Poppy the sheep, <laughs> nice nice name. Uh, asks, uh, does the map design help to frame out possible political or linguistic or religious history, or are these easier to brew independently? Hmm. I think the map really helps for me mm. because I just I've always been a visual person, and diagrams really just help me. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, uh, I think a map can really help with that. Yeah. Even if it's really rough, like oblong circle shapes, and then yeah. you can draw more circle shapes yeah, that are exactly. the borders of different regions. Different regions, yeah. And I'd say, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like political, one hundred percent is is uh, is influenced by my maps. Like when I made my first ever island that I was going to set them on, um, and put in the, the the mountains and the rivers and everything. <clears throat> the fact that I'd put a river that when i when i worked out the scale of the map turned out to be like a mile wide i was like oh shit that river's way wider than i thought it would be but that dictated mm -hmm. oh well that means that the north north of that river will be separated from the, the <coughs> south of that river and where and where they can't possibly have a crossing all, until way up the mm -hmm. river which means that these two are completely diff different and so maybe they don't get along or maybe they whatever maybe they they have uh, uh water transport between them and stuff and then there was another mm -hmm. path that was like really difficult to get to it was like a little um peninsula that was also through mountain range and so i decided that was going to be my tax haven because the king can't be bothered sending tax tax collectors out there because it's so treacherous to get there um and so like that's where all the rich people live i decided where the windward side of the mountain was and so where the wind uh wind haven became wendraven which was my which is now my capital because i was like that's where people would have initially settled and just all, all of that stuff. So politics yeah. was very much uh, influenced by the geographic layout of my map. As for linguistic yep. stuff, I don't tend to go into language differences too much, other than just you know elves and dwarves and common. Um, in my world, uh, I've I've introduced Humanic, uh, which is the natural human tongue, which is very similar to common, and it's what common's based on, like English. But common is more of a universal language. It doesn't have a real world equivalent. It's it's. Um, hmm kind of human-like but it's uh, it's it has differences uh, but that's the only linguistic change i've really made to the game um and there are regional dialects of elvish and there are regional dialects of this and that like if you go into the underdark there is under elvish as well as under common and stuff uh but hmm, yep it's not really influenced by the map too much and religious yeah. history not so much my religion doesn't really play into the the, the maps don't really play into religion yeah. so much Right, I feel like once you have your like kind of cultures in place, like yeah. religion is just a part of that. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it yeah, it, which... it may be geographic, it may not. Yeah, like obviously the ones in the huge big uh, magical forest over here, they're probably going to worship the nature gods, <laughs> and yeah. and the ones over in this big city are probably not. So it plays yeah. into it in that respect. Uh, mm -hmm. Spates asks, "Hi Nate, what is your favorite creature to throw at players, and what is the most overrated monster that you have a roll your eyes feeling about?" Mm. So those are two questions. What's your favorite creature to throw at players? Yeah, um, honestly, I love like just low level monsters. I love running low level adventures, probably because I love introducing new players to the hobby so much. Mm -hmm. So, um, zombies, skeletons um goblins kobolds are so cliche but i have so much fun with them yeah um in terms of like getting a little um you know more exotic uh man uh, monsters like harpies are pretty mm. cool 
Um, yeah. <laughs> they, cre- I, I in Baldur's Gate three, if you haven't played that, the creep, the creepiest harpies ever. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I find those really creepy and fun. Um, and then uh, I've been I've been yeah. out on playing Baldur's Gate three until it's properly released. Um, but right, and I kind of have too. I've dabbled, but yeah, I've, I've had to, I had to give myself a cutoff. Like, okay, I I'm tired of them changing everything. Let's wait till it's done. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I'm 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 a cynic for the the latest model of like releasing games way too early and stuff. And I'm like, just yeah, can you hold out a little longer till you've got it made? Like, I understand right. that releasing early gets you the funding to finish it the way you want to, but it sh- there there has to come a point. There's that you have to you have to have it almost there. You have to have the majority yeah. of it before you release it. You can't just go like, hey, we've got one chapter, release it early, and then we've right. got all these glitches and problems with the game and stuff. And it seems to yeah, be the model most games are going these days, which is... Yeah, it's unfortunate, I think. It is because there's a lot of good games that I just never come back to because yeah. I tried it and it was like, oh, it was okay. Yeah. And now it might be really good, but yeah. anyway. But um, the hype's gone for yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but monsters that I think are overrated, like, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't... I love them all. Yeah, I love them all. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, there are some that I could probably say like this. This one is weak, and this one, um, you know, stuff like that. But um, no, uh, I've never run a beholder, but I I've gotten to play in a game with a beholder a few years back, and that was like a, that was a life goal. I love beholders, mm-hmm. and it was it it lived up to the hype. Like that was cool. Just the different eye, um, that's good. The, the different rays. That's are, good because I was wondering fun. whether beholder would be an overrated one because the the randomized element has <clears> always kind of irked me with them like they're so methodical and like they've got everything about their lore is about how they're they they, they have contingencies for their contingencies 17 contingencies down they're yeah. like <clears throat> they know everything it says it specifically says that like it doesn't matter whether you burst into his uh, lair riding on dinosaurs or like sneak in disguised as fairies he has a plan for everything and so yeah. to have a monster that is described as that and then the stat block says he ran, he can't he randomly con, can't control his <laughs> ice stalks i'm like mm, that doesn't work but obviously if yeah. you do allow him to choose which ice stalks to use in any situation the challenge rating goes boom so <clears throat> yeah so that's kind of no, what i've I could... i've got a i've got a beholder planned for my game uh, for one of my home games and uh, and i've been and it's been planned since the beginning at like level six, uh, like 6 years ago when they were level 1 um yeah and I was like, I know that I won't get a chance to use this until they're at least like level 16, 17, because it's gonna, I'm going to be using it as like, as I want to use it. With with yes. all of that contingencies in place, it allows me to yeah. completely remove the filter of like metagamey stuff. So as the dungeon master, I'm constantly thinking, uh, it's not the most optimal thing, but it is what the goblin would do. Like, would he, he wouldn't, mm. yeah. and maybe sometimes I'll, I'm rolling like intelligence checks for myself just to be like, yeah. is, this, is this monster smart enough to know? to fight tactically and stuff and would he do this Mm -hmm. i can remove all of those filters and i can just use my robot tactic brain to go i'm going to fight to kill them i'm going to use everything to my disposal i'm going to use meta knowledge because the beholder would have it and this and that and the other so i'm I'm excited to finally run a beholder fight and and he's definitely going to be using the stalks in a slightly less randomized fashion um yeah i think that's fair i've thought about a few ways to do it i'm like do i roll four and get to choose three of them so there's a little bit of choice but there's a little bit random do Mm -hmm. i just do i do i pre-roll a whole bunch of them and then he has to use those ones in the fight uh three at a time yeah so there's there's ways to like not go from one extreme to the other and be like you just get to choose all of this all of the ice dogs 
Um, yeah, you could almost the, run them like spell slots. Yes, yeah. There's also like the you can only use the next number of this this particular uh, ice stock between yeah. rests, or like you you can't use this one again until you've used all the other ones. Or stuff. Yeah, like I that. like so, all those ideas, and that's that's a I think a fair critique of beholders, and uh, I like your solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for my uh, as for my favorite creature to throw at players, I again like this the the I like level three to five monsters because they're like a nice chunk of hit points that, and they can usually mm -hmm. do one or two cool things. I like I really like Displacer Beasts just because of their design, but also because they they've mm -hmm. got that cool feature that's a little bit unique. Um, yeah. Shambling Mounds is always a fun one because they can sneak up on a play party really easily. Because I, I once yeah. had a party of new new players. Um, and because they were new, they'd never, they weren't, they were unaware of all of these cliches of, in the, in the game. All, yes. <laughs> all these, like, I love it. <laughs> and so they were walking down the road and one of them with a high perception, hears a rustling in a bush nearby. Uh, and so she goes and she says, I quote, I go and stick my head in the bush <laughs> because in her mind, the rustling in the bush was a goblin hiding in the bush and not the bush itself because she wasn't yeah. familiar with the game and didn't realize bushes could be monsters and so she sticks her head in the bush and i go the bush closes around your head you are engulfed by a shambling mound oh. it was brilliant um marie yeah. uh, asks uh how do you balance your creative energies with teaching and rpgs marie is also a teacher i find that i struggle yeah. to write during the week when i'm teaching it's all on weekends and vacations even if the stories are always playing in the back of my mind yeah so that's i mean that's a huge thing i think for uh teachers that i can relate to, to just, it's the creative energy it's not the life energy it's the creative energy because teaching takes a lot of creative energy mm -hmm. trying to keep students engaged yeah. uh, and things like that so um for me uh, you know i i do find that like for example world building is something that i um just don't get super into even though i'm the map guy like i i just don't that's one place where i can say okay I don't need to put my creative energy um, into this uh, to, a, to a large extent. I can still do some homebrew stuff, but I just keep it really simple. And I have like my three, you know, cities that we're going to be using for this campaign and maybe like four or five towns. And, and that's good enough. And I don't, I don't go nuts with it and cataloging right. everything. Um, and um, I, I think that's one reason that running a module is sometimes works well for me too. Uh, it's just, you know, it takes, I, takes I some tend of that to creativity onto somebody else mm -hmm. and be like, you decide yeah. for me. Yeah, so I don't always run modules and I, I don't always run in published settings, but those are things that can sometimes help me for sure. Well, yeah, yeah but it is challenging. Hopefully that helps, Muddy. Um, mm -hmm. Redial asks, what's the most memorable D&D &D moment you've ever had? Oh, man. Okay, so... <laughs> since since uh, 2014, did you say you got into Yeah, it? yeah. Um, boy, there have been some big ones. Um I think that in there's there's two I'll mention. I think um, Icewind Dale uh, finished that game up with Dag and and a couple other friends of mine um, back in May, and the ending was um, just crazy. Um, uh, Dag was playing a, a mind flayer and um, uh, started off as like a mind flayer spawn sort of thing. This <laughs> this homebrew class, and then uh, there was another um, mind flayer stat that came out that he liked better, so we moved to that and. Uh, it was I was cool, and then we had a goblin in the party, and uh, and a, a Dorgar, and a water genasi who then turned into a Luxodon. So <laughs> it was quite the uh, you know just just like yeah, you think of the, the crazy looking D and D party. This was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, the the end there was a huge twist where 
um, Dag turned on the party as the mind flayer and uh, it, it was hard. Um, and, um, and basically the mind flayer took over and the, their friend Nikos was no more. And that was like a really hard moment for all of us. And it was like, man, like this was a character death without really having a character death. Mm. And, um, and it was, it was, uh, it shook the party a bit. And then, um, in the last thing, like our, our goblin had pickpocketed like two sessions before a scroll of Comet, uh, from, uh, Dag's character. And in the end, when, um, when the mind flayer and the little goblin were flying off together uh, and leaving the others to the destruction of the city, like um, the goblin pulled out the scroll of Comet and um, and took them down. Boom. And that was the pretty much the end of the campaign. Wow. Um, so that was an epic moment. Um, there was there's some others in the Provokers campaign. There were a few moments that I would say were super impactful. But um, yeah, there's one. That sounds uh, very memorable for sure yeah i love love it when something comes to it to to a climax in that way and here's the twist um dag's character knew like that he was losing himself essentially so like four or five sessions prior had given the goblins slipped into his backpack i can't remember what what it was it was some it wasn't it was some kind of protection uh protective barrier or something oh Oh, it was a cube of force i think it was a cube of force yeah. And and said, like, I know I'm losing it. I can't be trusted with this. Snuck it into his backpack. And the goblin used that cube of force oh, to protect himself from the comet. <laughs> oh, man. So it's just like, oh, oh this was so poetic oh, and beautiful. Oh, and together, uh, Love yeah. it when it comes together. Just and you're like, tragic. Oh, this thing comes back from so long before. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's good stuff. I, uh, I, I yep. love I love playing those sorts of characters that uh, of like somebody who's losing themselves. I, I was in one of Doug's, yeah. one of Doug's games. He was running a twelve part series of like a, a pirate themed game um, on his channel, uh, and mm. and I was this pirate captain who was like being overcome by greed. There was this this mm. uh, this kind of spirit of greed was kind of embodying me, possessing me as it were, and I was devolving into like trying to find this lost treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then I enjoyed this kind of like descent down from the first like ten episodes as I'm getting worse and worse and worse until eventually I'm like turning on my crew. Um, and I told him like I am perfectly happy going anyway with this. Like if you if you want me to be the big bad guy at the end of the like if they want if they all have to fight me blah blah blah. I'm I'm yep. down I'm down for whatever. Yeah. But if you want a redemption yeah, those arc, are cool moments. Then if you want a redemption arc, I'm down for that as well. And eventually, how he did it was on on the tenth episode of twelve. Um, at the very end, I was like, I was chasing after this, this, um, this, I was a warlock. So it was my patron essentially had had manifest as this enormous Leviathan kind of a creature. Uh, and, and I was kind of chasing after it and then I didn't get to it in time before it went through some sort of a rift. And then my, my, my greed and disappointment and, and hatred and all of the vitriol that I'd been storing up and devolving into, manifest as its own creature out of my body and i just fell back down to back down to earth essentially um and then one of my crew crewmates ran out and saved me as i fell and tried to catch me and stuff and then and then we ended up with this this huge spectral winged creature that's basically me and all of my evil manifest uh and then we had to fight that in the next session and and it was a really cathartic moment of like my guy was no longer greedy and all this shit in the next because i kept having to say like so is that is that out of my body now am i am i is am i redeemed what's and so uh then then for the, and, and i'm glad that he did it on the on like the um 
uh, antepenultimate episode because then it means that we got two more episodes of fighting the thing and then another episode of like coming to terms with that, what that means and like making amends for the the way that I'd acted and stuff and my crew were all like immediately like yeah don't worry about it you weren't you weren't yourself we we know we know it was in you you can't be taken but my character's like no don't let me off the hook that easy and it's a good really good moment it's a good storyteller Dag I should probably get him on short rest sometime <laughs> I keep jo I keep joking with Dag that uh, that I've been doing this for ages with short rest and stuff and he's one of my uh, my closest colleagues and friends and uh, and I still haven't got him on his short rest <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, you you you're a backup in case my uh, my short rest gets <laughs> Nice. What a friend. <laughs> um Poppy the Sheep asks Halloween related, what's the creepiest NPC that you've ever played or situation that you've DM'd? Creepiest. Yeah, um creepiest. Okay, wait, creepiest NPC I've ever played? Creepiest NPC you've ever played or DM or, or situation that you've put your players in. Oh man. Um yeah, so man, I'm I'm not nothing is really coming to mind. Oh, um uh yeah, there was an NPC I played once that was um like a, a former veteran who um had just um like uh former veterans redundant, but anyway, a veteran <laughs> who had been through awful things. <laughs> and um he basically had a um, like reconstructed body. It was almost like a uh -huh. fantasy Darth Vader sort of situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> and I loved that character because he was good, but he came off as just creepy, like right. you know, mechanical. Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 dwarves had helped him c construct some sort of yeah. uh, canister for his soul, almost sort of thing. And um, but but he was good, but he, like you know, you wouldn't know it. So anyway. Um, that was a really, really fun one. Yeah, it's fun. I um, I, I love creepy characters. I, I, I played a um in the uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, uh, Mister Light, the um the, the jester that uh, that runs mm. the carnival. He's uh, like yeah. a Shadakai or something. He's some kind of a drow or something. I can't remember what he is. Uh, but he's yeah. yeah, he's some kind of creepy elf, and he was a lot of fun to. Hello. Yeah. Look, I having fun at the carnival. <laughs> yep, that's good. Uh, last question. Yeah, then. for this. Uh, last question then, just because we've got a wrap uh, for you to get yeah. to the basketball thing. Um, Baron Von Blast asks, any other interesting behavior methods that you've seen to keep in line with the requirements? Behavior methods? I'm not sure what hmm. you mean, Baron. Maybe to keep players in line with the requirements? Oh, right, maybe. Yeah. Can you clarify, yeah. Baron? I'm not sure what you meant by that, sorry. Uh, and also, yeah. just while we're here, thank you Dutch Dungeons for the raid. How was your stream? Oh, nice. <laughs> Welcome, um, everybody. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, while we're waiting for clarification on what uh, Baron means by that. Um, oh, wait, here we go. It's because the context came before the question. Uh, they said, wow. I had a friend. I had a friend suggest a method to me for character character behavior with frustration. Roll a D100 uh, over 2D10 and note the number as a conversation. As the conversation progresses, roll a D20. And once you reach the D100 total, your character acts out. That seems mm. like a very mechanical way to uh, to handle role playing. Uh, any other interesting yeah. behavior methods that you've seen? Um, I yeah, I've, I, I I've never seen behavior methods in that sense because it does sound like uh, it does sound like making role play mechanics and uh, kind of feels a little um, 
jarring or icky to have to allocate yeah. that. I do I, I do put roleplay mechanics on people when there's when they've got like a curse or something that uh, is yes. manifesting over time, and so like maybe mm-hmm. once a once a conversation I'll roll to see if they act a certain way, and then I will mm-hmm. in, I'll influence them by telling them like. Uh, uh, I'll usually still put it on them. So as the dungeon master, um, I'll use an mm-hmm. example. In one of my games, uh, there is a guy who's got a corruption point, and he doesn't necessarily know what that means. But as he's as he's learning, I'm telling him he's got a couple of um, couple of cursed items essentially. And every night he goes to sleep, he has to roll and eventually fail the roll, and I, I, he got a corruption point for it. So then from that point on, the next day, uh, the 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 corruption has elements of like vengeance and uh, retribution and like needing to take violent revenge on your enemies kind of a thing and so every yeah. time he meets somebody i'm like um what's a what's a time that you, this person has wronged you and he's like oh um and he has to role play something he has to come up with uh, a, a memory or like a false memory of like ah oh. uh, i think he i think he called he he, he called me a, the wrong word one time and it, and it kind of uh, mm-hmm. pissed me off a little bit and i'm like yeah that's what comes to mind when you when you see him now like he's a he's a yeah, friend otherwise but and i'm just like hit, i'm just influencing and hinting at like your mm-hmm. mem- your mind is starting to dwell on those <clears throat> those bit, those times that you've been wronged even if it's something that normal, a normal person would let go so I don't. Yeah. I try. I try to avoid like telling him how to feel about stuff, even in mm-hmm. corruption point elements. But I, I try and tell him what comes to mind so that he can make the choice of how he feels about that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. And I, I would agree. Like, I don't really do it uh, except with like cursed items or, um, like you know, long term effects of being in certain environments that mm-hmm. that can you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, like the, the, the long term madness. And stuff and, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> long-term madness in D and D, but even that does feel sometimes a little bit gross, like revealing or uh, removing that player agency in some mm. ways. Um, but it, I think it works. It works. Uh, just you just got to be careful with it, and you got to have I think mature players who can handle it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think also I could see a, mechan- a more mechanical way of handling it, like what you're talking about, in a very specific um, like system where there's a system where yeah. we're playing. Um, you know, we're we're playing hot-headed dwarves, and that's like the premise of this yes, game. Yeah. And like, so there is like a lose your cool mechanic or yes, something. Like, yeah, 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 awesome. for sure. <laughs> yeah, like if it's a if it's a game that because D and D is a war game, or its origins mm-hmm. are, are as a war game, and so they say that there's three pillars of whatever combat, exploration, and role play. But the combat is mm-hmm. the load-bearing pillar. Um, yes. And, and and so if there was a system that was just about the role play element, and it was designed around that, then yeah, I can imagine them putting mm-hmm. in behavioral uh behavioral mechanics that's like dictates yeah. how you behave in any conversation rolling charisma mm-hmm. checks and or whatever similar uh, to see like how how well are you conducting yourself in this conversation yeah um man totally. i could talk for hours more i'm sure but uh yeah. we both got to get back to doing stuff so um we better wrap it up uh where can people find you and your work yeah so uh, yep. So youtube.com slash WASD20 is the main place, but you can also uh, find me. I'm, I'm fairly active on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, I've also got a Discord server. You can find that in the description of my uh, video link there. And um, yeah, video. you know, I'm, I'll be running and, a game um, hopefully in yeah. the next month or two uh, for the one D or one, not one DD. Now I did it. The <laughs> one ring. There we go. Um, and uh, that will be on youtube.com slash WASD20 live. 
Wonderful. So yeah. check out Nate on all of the things. Basically, Google WSD20 and you'll you'll find him everywhere. Uh, and if yep. you're here from Nate's community, uh, welcome in. Thank you for joining. I'm Robert Hartley, GM. I'm a full-time Dungeon Master D&D player. Um, I, I run for a comedy group called Viva the Dirt League, uh, as well as Dungeons & Dragons in my own right um, at Robert Hartley, GM, and all of the different places. But for now, we will leave it there, and we will send you off on a raid. Who is online for a raid? We've got... Oh, Potatosaurus is doing some Dungeons and Dragons. Let's give her a raid. Raid Potatosaurus. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, it was great to have some great questions. So Thank you very much for joining me, and thank you guys for being here and asking your questions. I will see you guys next time. Bye. That's all for that episode of Short Rest, but if you want to be there for the next one live, don't forget to head over to twitch.tv forward slash roberthartleygm and click the little love heart to follow the channel. Alternatively, you could wait for it to hit my YouTube channel at roberthartleygm, or if you really enjoy my work and want me to keep making it, head over to patreon.com and consider supporting me a few dollars a month. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.